This episode of On the Record is brought to you by Weasler Engineering. Whether you need low power for occasional use or high power for the toughest jobs, Weasler's PTO drive shafts have you covered. To learn more or to find the right PTO for you, visit www.weasler.com. I'm Executive Editor Kim Schmidt. Welcome to On the Record. Here's an update on what's currently impacting the ag equipment industry. Deere failed to reach an agreement with its workers and the UAW on a new labor agreement, resulting in 10,000 workers going on strike, the first time Deere employees have gone on strike in 30 years. Depending on how long the strike lasts, it could exacerbate the inventory challenges dealers are facing. One dealer noted that the impact could range from insignificant to substantial, depending on how long the strike lasts and how Deere potentially uses other employees to keep things moving. Multiple dealers noted that Deere was bringing in salaried employees from other regions to help. After 90% of union members rejected the proposed contract agreement, the parties had until October 13th at 11.59 p.m. to reach an agreement. The details on the rejected agreement posted on UAW's website mentioned maintained health care copays, improved pensions, and retirement and wage increases as summary points. The rejected agreement would have provided an immediate 5-6% to raise for most workers, according to UAW Vice President Chuck Browning. Workers said the pay raises were inadequate given that John Deere is expected to make nearly $6 billion in profits this year, according to a report by The Hill. Union members also disapproved of how the pay hikes would be offset by pension cuts for new hires. According to an earlier report from Deere, the facilities involved by state include, in Iowa, that includes Davenport Works, Des Moines Works, Dubuque Works, Atumwa Works, and Waterloo Works, including Tractor and Cab Assembly, Engine Works, and the Foundry. In Illinois, the facilities are Harvester Works in East Moline, North American Parts Distribution Center in Milan, and the Seating Group and Cylinder Division in Moline. In Kansas, there's one facility, Coffee Works. In Colorado, a parts di- distribution location. and Georgia, the Compact Utility and Utility Tractor Factory. One dealer noted that for 12 of their locations, they currently have 2,800 line items on back order from Deere. Those parts are serviced from the Milan Distribution Center. Some of those orders go back a few months, and with the strike, he now fears increased back orders and delayed deliveries. In response to the strike, Deere released the following statement from Brad Morris, Vice President of Labor Relations. John Deere is committed to a favorable outcome for our employees, our communities, and everyone involved. We are determined to reach an agreement with UAW that would put every employee in a better economic position and continue to make them the highest paid employees in the agriculture and construction industries. We will keep working day and night to understand our employees' priorities and resolve this strike while also keeping our operations running for the benefit of all those we serve. Deere & Company does not currently have an estimate of when employees affected by the strike will resume activities or the timing for completion of negotiations with the UAW. Now here's Michaela Pockner with the latest from the Technology Corner. Thanks, Kim. Kubota Corporation plans to acquire Ag Junction, a company that develops guidance, auto steer, and autonomy technology for $72.8 million. Ag Junction announced the acquisition on October 8th. The company plans to hold a special meeting for shareholders in November to seek approval for the acquisition, and the transaction would likely close shortly after approval. In a statement, 
Lori L., chair of Ag Junction's board of directors, said, quote, the transaction is expected to accelerate the execution of Ag Junction's business plan, enhance access to additional customers and markets, provide efficiencies from greater scale, and allow the opportunity for the retention of many Ag Junction employees in the go-forward entity. Ag Junction's board of directors determined that the acquisition was a good strategic move for the company as it's faced with a competitive landscape that demands tighter vehicle integration and large-scale distribution. The acquisition also fills a gap for Kubota, acknowledged by its director and executive vice president, Masato Yoshikawa, at a recent earnings meeting. He said the company was, quote, a little behind, end quote, its overseas competitors in smart farming and automation initiatives. An Ag Equipment Intelligence review of the 691 Kubota dealerships in the U.S. and Canada reveals about 69% of those dealers also carry a major line and about 21% also carry a precision brand. This data points to potential for the large-scale distribution that Ag Junction's board viewed as vital for success in Ag Equipment Automation. It also gives Kubota the opportunity to directly compete with some of the major's offerings in the precision ag equipment space. Leo Johnson, president of the five-store dealer group Johnson Tractor in Wisconsin and Illinois, says the acquisition announcement is great for Kubota dealers. He says, quote, Kubota saw that they had a precision farming gap and did something about it, not by forming a strategic alliance, but by getting out their checkbook and buying a company. The acquisition is the next chapter in the company's shared history. In 2019, Ag Junction sued Kubota and several of its subsidiaries for patent infringement related to automated machine control and implement steering. The lawsuit settled in October of 2020, and at the time, the parties agreed to begin discussions about Ag Junction supplying or developing auto steer and autonomous solutions for Kubota products worldwide. That's it from today's Technology Corner. Back to you, Kim. Thanks, Michaela. On Saturday, October 9th, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill that will ban gas-powered small off-road engines used primarily in lawn care equipment as soon as 2024. According to the bill's author, Assemblyman Mark Berman, the governor's executive order number N7920 of September 23, 2020, directs the state board to implement strategies to achieve 100% zero emissions from off-road equipment in California by 2035 where feasible and cost-effective. The state will not achieve that goal without further regulation of small off-road engines, including a mandate to transition all sale of new equipment to zero-emission equipment. The bill states that in 2020, California daily nitrogen oxides and reactive organic gases emissions from small off-road engines were higher than emissions from light-duty passenger cars. Small off-road engines emitted an average of 16.8 tons per day of NOx and 125 tons per day of ROG. Without further regulatory action, those emission levels are expected to increase with inc increasing numbers of small off-road engines in California. The bill goes on to state that operating a commercial leaf blower for one hour can emit as much ROG plus NOx as driving 1,100 miles in a new passenger vehicle. Now here's Ben Thorpe with a data and trends update. Thanks, Kim. With the ongoing equipment shortage, early orders have become an increasingly important part of how dealers are doing business. As a result, this year's Dealer Business Outlook and Trends report shows that early order estimates are up significantly this year versus the previous year. 
Roughly 30% of dealers estimate their early orders are up 10% or more year-over-year in 2021, compared to 9% indicating the same in last year's study. Overall, 71% of dealers say their early orders are up at least 1% versus the previous year, compared to 32% who said the same in the previous study. Only 17% of dealers reported their early orders were unchanged from the previous year, a record low for the last six years. Some 13% of dealers reported their early orders were down compared to 2020, with 8% indicating early orders were down 1-5%. to This is well below the 28% who reported a decrease of at least 1% or more in last year's study. Back to you, Kim. Thanks, Ben. Shortline manufacturer Artsway reported its third quarter consolidated corporate sales were $6.6 million, up 2% versus the same period of 2020. This marked the second straight profitable quarter, the company notes. For the nine months ended August 31, 2021, the company reported consolidated sales of $17.7 million, up 4.5% compared to the same period last year. Artsway's agricultural products segment had third quarter sales of nearly $4.7 million, up nearly 27% versus the third quarter of last year. Year-to-date, ag segment sales were up 24% to about $12 million. The company attributes the large increase in revenue to a strengthening agricultural economy that is producing 5- to 10-year highs in commodity and livestock prices, along with government assistance programs that provided farmers with much-needed government assistance during the COVID-19 pandemic. Artsway says grinder mixer sales were up 71% year-over-year and beet equipment sales are up 60%. Manure spreaders are up 13% versus last year. The company says we're seeing continued demand in the fourth quarter with our current ag backlog up 269% from a year ago. Supplier delays have improved but are not gone completely. We also continue to receive price increases from our suppliers regularly. Further price increases before our early order program will be necessary to maintain strong margins on our products. We are still struggling to get new production hires on board with the lack of available workforce in our community and highly competitive job market. We are taking steps to automate production tasks with the use of robotic welding and other new equipment to help us increase efficiency and output. As always, we welcome your feedback. You can send comments and story suggestions to kschmidt at lessetermedia.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us.